0: Hey guys, and welcome to Money Talks News, the podcast. You know, over the last 20 years, public college tuition has rocketed nearly 180%. And that doesn't include the cost of books, food, housing, and other living expenses. So it could cost you or your kids tens of thousands to get their degree. And it could mean them starting their adult life with debilitating debt. But there are workarounds to high cost and that soul-sucking debt, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm Stacy Johnson. As usual, my co-host will be financial journalist Miranda Marquette. Hello, Miranda. Hey, Stacy. Listening in and sometimes contributing is our producer, Aaron Freeman. Hey, Aaron. I feel sorry for scholars today. Me too. This week's we've got a really special guest that's going to help us with all this, though. That is Brad Baldridge, one of the nation's leading college planning experts and the founder of the website, Taming the High Cost of College. Hello, Brad. Hi. Nice to be here. Yeah. So Brad, you're going to reduce the cost of college to mere pennies by the time this podcast is over. Is that true? Uh, no, I don't have that magic wand,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but there's like certainly put, lots,
0: lots you can do. <laughs> I, like, I like to put our guests on the spot immediately so, so I can make it awkward. Okay, before we before we start this uh, podcast, guys, remember we do not offer real financial advice here. We give you some advice, but it's not, it's not the kind you take to the bank. You got to do your own research. You got to make your own decisions, be responsible for your own money. Okay, so now let's start. And I'm going to let Miranda, you've gone through this relatively, Are you're going through it <laughs> now, right?
2: Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah.
0: My college experience ended in 1978. I paid $600 a semester to go to the University of Arizona, and I was an out-of-state student. So I could not be less plugged in to this topic. So Miranda, start us off here.
2: Well, the reason why he says that is uh, my son is currently at community college right now. So uh, I've got my son. We've had a 529 for him since he was six and uh, now now we now we're using that 529 uh, to uh, pay for his college costs. So yeah, but let's talk about that to begin with. One of the biggest surprises for many parents is the price of college just is not what they see on school websites. So what kinds of things do you really have to prepare for?
1: Right. Well, yeah, first of all, most people need to realize that there's a published price for college. And then there's the actual price for college. And they can be drastically different um, in in many ways, sometimes higher, sometimes lower. But again, sometimes people talk about just tuition. And of course, if your student is living on campus, there's also room and board. And then beyond that, there's personal expenses and travel and books and all the different things that go with that as well. But then when we get to the net price of college, again, the highest, most expensive schools like University of Chicago is somewhere... Approaching ninety thousand, eighty-five ish. What? And you know, so if you've got a junior in high school today, that's
2: per year. And that's that is ridiculous. Per year, yes, now that's per year.
1: <laughs> again, exactly. That's not what a lot of people will pay. That's sticker price.
2: So yeah, just like bad. when
1: we, and again, maybe car analogies aren't as good anymore. But it used to be the sticker price was one thing, but what you actually paid was something completely different. Yeah, you know,
0: Brad, uh, Aaron and I worked together in television news. We did this story a couple of times. The sticker price isn't what you pay. You know, I don't remember this if I ever knew it. Why is there a sticker price if that's not what you're going to pay? What, well, what that is, the point is where
1: you start. I mean, that's kind of the negotiating starting point, right? And, there, and to be fair, there are people that do pay full sticker price. Um, but many people will get aid in the form of need-based aid or merit aid or scholarships or different avenues to bring their net cost down. So a lot of colleges have gone in with a high price, and if you can afford it, we'll have you pay it. But if you can't afford it, we'll come up with a lesser price.
0: So it is yeah, kind of like a car dealership. Control. They, they yeah. hope you do pay the sticker price. If, you, if, you, if the University of Chicago says this is 90K, they're hoping you're going to write a check for 90K, just like the car oh. dealer hopes you're going to pay the sticker price for that Cadillac, right? Right, and lots of people do. But because we have these concepts of
1: need-based aid, Especially, um, so a lot of these high-end schools that are the most expensive, they, they guarantee that they're going to meet your need with some form of scholarship. And they easily can because they've got billions in their coffers from their various endowments. So they can help the families that need it. So I've seen families go to these very expensive schools for less than a state school.
2: Yeah, and, and I've I seen think that's families
1: what... go to these same schools and pay full price. So there's a wide variability, especially at the schools that have the demand where someone might say yeah it's expensive but it's worth it right the ivy league and some of those where you know there's parents that have enough money that they don't really care what it costs
2: so they just write the check and and i think that's a good point though too because there are some schools like there was a young man in idaho falls where i live who was accepted to harvard And there's no way his family could pay the sticker price at Harvard. But because Harvard has a policy of everybody, every family who makes less than X amount per year gets their their tuition covered. And so he was able to go. He's a student at Harvard right now, uh, and he doesn't have to pay a dime because Harvard has that policy. And so if you can get into some of these schools, you might still be able to afford it. Uh, at right. least the tuition. N- then you've got to pay for the housing, and that's a whole other issue. Right. But, well,
1: yeah. Right. And at a Harvard, that's included, right? I mean, you'll pay yeah. zero not only for tuition but for room and board and everything else, right? Is I that mean, relatively recent,
0: guys? Did they just announce that fairly recently? Fairly recent. Yeah. But the
2: last uh, few years.
1: Yeah, the last – yeah. Now And, again, these schools have been generous for years and years, again, but you have to be able to get accepted. So unless your but student's not- in the top – three, five percent, you know, it's just really not going to be an option anyway. But and then we've got other schools, right? So like this local state schools are probably going to be your low cost option. And those average about twenty seven thousand right now. And again, that's total cost of that's attendance, that's tuition, r- room and board, books, fees, beer and pizza. And that is per year. And that's what the you know, that's average. Some states are more expensive. Uh The UC schools in California are quite a bit more expensive, but then like
0: Iowa and Nebraska are quite a bit less. So Now, here's where I get lost, Brad. Okay, I'm not going to go to the Rolls-Royce dealership because I don't care whether they're going to give me a break or not. I'm not going to be able to afford a Rolls-Royce. So my point is, if when I'm looking at these colleges, it almost sounds like you should apply anywhere but aren't there people that are going like even even if it's twenty seven grand, you know, for a state even I say even, but when they go like, well, I am not going to be able to afford that. I don't care if they give me a discount. I am just not going to bother applying. I mean, isn't that what happens, or doesn't it? It it, it does happen, right? But here
1: is the reality, right? Something like sixty or seventy percent of high school graduates go on to college of some form. So most people are going to do it. It's just a matter of how well they do it when it comes to the financial side. Um, and I think that's the biggest challenge is, you know, I work with families We what we try and do is figure out what it's going to cost ahead of time. Whereas the existing system, as you're going through the process, you don't really know what it's going to cost till you get all the way to the end. And they say, this is your price. And you go, Oh my God, well, if I knew that was going to be that price, I would have never applied or, awesome. wow, that's so fantastic. I do. didn't expect
0: that at all. Uh, so I'm coming to someone like you to tell me what the actual cost is going to be. Is that right? right. Exactly. You know, give me a little right. bit more background on what, what exactly what it is that you do, Brad, because we've got, you know, taming the high cost of college is your website, but what exactly do you do for people?
1: Right. I help families what in what I call late stage college planning. So they've got a high school kid and they're trying to figure it all out. You know, what kind of schools will be a good fit, not just academically, but financially, Should we save and invest? And what about the 529s? And where, you know, how does that fit into it? And what if we have three kids? And how do we be fair? And will we get need-based aid? Will we get merit aid? Should we chase scholarships? What kind of loans will work best for us? You know, and that's the reality, right? There's six or seven ways that most people pay for college, and it's going to be a combination of those things.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a really good point where you have to take a step back and say, okay, what, what works, what doesn't? What is the purpose of going to college? What is the purpose of this degree? How are we going to make this work? And how do we fit it into our overall family budget? And as part of that too, right, parents worry that paying for college is going to wipe out or delay the retirement. So how are they going to balance that as well, right? How do you balance that college saving, college for retirement? And how do you kind of make that plan uh, to... How do you make that plan?
1: Right, exactly. And there's, and that's where I, because oh, everything needs to get reduced down to a soundbite these days, things like college for all, what does that really mean when you say college? I mean, is that, there's so, it's such a broader topic than that. And, you know, is it the four-year on-campus country cub experience or is it online education or so, anything in between? There's lots of different paths, and I think that's where families need to. Because it's more expensive now, you don't really want to say, "Well, we'll just send them off to a college, and they'll figure it out when they're there." Because you know, adding a year or two, it makes sense, is not a good idea if you can avoid it. Um, and that's Let's the way wait, we did it go. when we were young, right? We don't know what to do. Yeah. We'll go to college. We'll
0: we'll explore yeah, a couple you,
1: majors. Eight years yeah, later. What,
0: I'll we, graduate. To, we had this conversation, Brad, on another uh, another college topic a, a few weeks ago, and I said, you know, when when I, I told you at the outset of the show, it cost six hundred bucks a month out of state for me to go to college. So back then, it w- it wasn't a matter of money; it was a matter. I mean, not that it was. I mean, six hundred dollars was a lot more than uh, than it is now. But right. the point was, if you had the grades, you could go to college. I mean, it, I mean, you could. My dad sold sandwiches to get through college. I mean, you know, there wasn't just. a year thing, you know, it wasn't a money thing like it is now. But let me, before I forget, let me go back and address a couple of things. One, you're, do you consult with families to help them decide what to do personally? I mean, you do this personally. How much does it cost for someone like you to do that? Because that sounds like a really useful thing. Right. Yeah. My my
1: current fee is uh, $2,250 for a relatively simple plan. But if you've got a business or twins or you know, family trusts or something that's
0: complex, the price goes up from there. Um, but okay,
1: um,
0: and, and, so yeah. and how much? And, and how do I find someone like you? What do I? What, I mean, we're going to tell people how to find you specifically, but what, what what would I look up if I was looking for someone like you, a consultant like you? That's a hundred thousand dollar question,
1: <laughs> right? If we're a new industry. If your if your pipes are leaking, you you know, oh, I got to call a plumber. You just know right. that. When you say I can't figure out how to pay for college, there is you know you know we college funding specialist or college planner or some, you know, various names like that. But again, you know, it's not been very standardized. There's, you know, I'm not the only one, of course there's many out there, but not nearly as many as there needs to be based on like college consultant. Maybe. Is that what I would look at? Yes. And there's, and there's two groups of us out there too. And that's the other thing to realize is I work on the financial side. I tend to work with parents to help them figure out the financial stuff And visits and how to be fair among their kids and how the loans work and how to fill out financial aid forms and that kind of stuff. There's other consultants, which I don't do is they help students figure out what they want to be when they grow up. They help them Mm -hmm. write college essays. They help them choose majors, build a school list, do all that kind of stuff. Um, And both of those consultants might be necessary in a given situation. Um, But I tend to work with parents and they tend to work with the students. That's kind of an easy yep. way to kind of divide it. I'm not going to be able to add value to their essay, so yeah. I won't even try.
0: Let me go back and, and uh, review something else you said, too, because it kind of surprised me. Aaron said, Do, does, the, does the name of the college matter much anymore? And I, I immediately said yes. And you said, well, they'd like you to think it does. Does it not yeah. matter? Is a Harvard degree not worth more than one from the University of Arizona where I went? Um, Well, it depends on who you ask and where you're going
1: in life, right? I mean, the typical nurse, as an example, can have a degree from anywhere and go to the local hospital who's desperate for anybody that's qualified at all times, and they'll get hired. It doesn't matter. If they've passed the nursing boards and they're officially a nurse, they probably can get hired, and they're not going to, you know, and and then once you have five or ten years' experience, I mean, have you ever gone to a professional and said, you know, based on the degrees hanging on the wall— I've changed my mind. I I don't want to work with you. In some ways it matters, in some ways it doesn't. Now, if you want to be president of the United States and you have the opportunity to go to the Ivy League, you probably should because that's, you know, you need to have rubbed shoulders with those types of people because as you're working through the presidential process, you're going to need donors and, you know, people in the know and that kind of stuff. So it wouldn't hurt to build that network. So I'm not saying that these schools are bad. I'm just saying that there's other paths and if you think about the you know the world the way the world works you know a lot of industries and a lot of businesses have said well we're only going to hire people that have college degrees even though they know the degree isn't teaching them the job that they're they're being hired for you know if you're going to sell something for a large corporation sell computers or mri machines or something there's no degree for that it's not like you're going to learn that in school you're going to learn it on the job but a lot of corporations are saying well we need to find people that have the wherewithal to get through college because they're more trainable and that type of thing. And then sometimes as the labor markets are getting tight, a lot of them are saying, maybe we don't need to require a college degree that maybe that limits our search too much. We're willing to, to broaden things but for a long time, it was just easy for them to put it on there and they were getting enough applicants anyway. So there's this, it's perpetuated again by the, by the, um, People that are hiring and where you work and that type of stuff, where, oh, you can't get this promotion unless you have that piece of paper. So some people are saying, what's the cheapest, easiest way I can get the piece of paper so I can get the promotion? Which makes total Did sense. Did they learn anything, be- all that money spent? Maybe, maybe not, but they just needed the piece of paper. You know, other well, you times know, you're learning how to be a nurse so you can pass the boards and go get
3: the job.
0: Yeah, you're matter. learning how to okay. be a teacher. So let me-
3: let me give you a scenario. So I'm, I'm going to assume that a lot of people with, you know, a big bank account, it's going to be probably a little bit easier, you know, and the kid's got ambition, he's got good grades. It's going to be a little bit easier to, to get this person in school, get them through a system, figure it out where they're going to go. So let's say, um, in fact, I know a, a young woman, she's about 16. She wants to be a pharmacist, I think, or even okay. a nurse, but it's a low-income family, um, low in, low-income earners. Um, how would you direct this young lady to get where she needs to be with... That
0: yeah, you know what, Aaron? That's a great question. Let me do this. Let's take a really quick break, uh, because I right. I really want Brad to get into brass tacks for our readers, and this sounds right. like a good place to do that. So let let's take a really quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about specific things you can do, uh, to to lower the cost of college or to help you get into college. In the meantime, I feel like I've wasted all these years telling women I went to Harvard when I actually went to the University of Arizona. I could have just said University of Arizona. It didn't matter. But anyway, we we're going to be we're going to be right back after this folks. Okay, we are back. Before we get started again, uh, I'm going to I'm going to ask you guys to do something for us. If you like what we do, share our show with your friends, your family, and of course, subscribe to our podcast. Takes you 2 seconds, really helps us out though. Okay, now let's get back to this thing. Aaron, you were describing somebody who's 16 years old, low-income family, trying to get in, wants to be a pharmacist. Uh, And now Brad's going to tell us specific things that we can do in situations like this to get the best quality education at the lowest possible price.
1: I mean, in general, there's aid out there for low-income families. That's not available to the middle income and upper income. So first of all, you need to really understand how that process works. As an example, Pell Grants are out there. Typically, if your income is below 50,000, you'll have a shot at them. If you're at 25,000, you'll probably get them. But if you're at 75 or a hundred thousand, you probably won't. And a lot of the need based programs are based on family income and then also family assets. Um, so I'm assuming we're talking about kids that are rolling out of high school and going on to college. There's a completely different system for returning adults because they have their own income and their own situation. Um, but for the typical 18-year-old, they're going to have to report mom and dad's income and assets. Um, based on all that aid, you know, you may get the state schools price down to a net of 5000 or $8,000. Um, and that's going to be the challenge that most people talk about is that last 5000 that last $8,000. is that going to come from? And there's no easy answer for many of these families. It's going to be more loans. It's going to be the student works, you know, somehow yeah. summers, weekends, or even, you know, works 20 hours a week during school or whatever it might be.
3: Right. Um, and that's, so you're going to suggest, that you suggest then like you're going to have to get a job, you're going to, have to push through it and stuff. I mean, right. I'm using her as an example because I'm assuming people with low grades, they're going to have a much harder time to even remotely get into college, stuff like right. that, you know, yeah. you
1: know? Right. And if your grades are really strong, you could go to that more expensive private school but a lot of times they give you aid so they start at 50,000 or 60,000 let's say and the state school started at 25 and both of you get you know both of them get you down to net price of five or net price of eight or net price of 10 or something or one of them's eight and one of them's 12 and then you have to decide is it worth you know but college is almost never free there's always and it's always just a little bit painful or a lot painful. And that's by design, right? They invented this idea of need-based aid of, well, if you're at this level, you're going to need help, but we're not going to make it real easy for you. And if you're at this level, you don't need as much help. So the way this has shaken out is that at every price point or every income level, right? If you're in a hundred thousand, your net cost might be 20,000, which is painful, just like 8,000 is if you earn 50,000. And if you're in two hundred thousand, then you pay full price, and it's forty five thousand, which is just as painful as eight thousand is to the you know. So that's
0: makes sense. It was kind of
1: the unintended consequence of them inventing the idea of financial aid, where we're going to help people that need help. Where then the colleges raise prices and made this complicated system.
2: And I think I think too we can't forget that one of the things that's important to do when you're thinking about college is really planning ahead, right? Uh, At this point in time, and it's hard for people who are sending their kids and they themselves have never been through the college system, and that's a different story, but uh, these days you can't say, okay, well, you're 16. Let's start thinking about college. Like you have to start way earlier. You know, we opened, my ex-husband and I opened my son's 529 when he was six. He was six years old when we opened the 529 we could only afford to put like 50 bucks a month in there. And that's all we did. We wanted to focus on retirement and other goals that we had, but we did go ahead and start putting 50 bucks a month in there. And as our, as our, uh, as our financial situation improved, we increased how much we were setting aside and we put more money in that 529 as things went on. And so that really helped. now that my son's in school, he had enough in his 529 to completely pay for everything, housing, uh, tuition, books, everything, in his 529 for uh, two years of community college or two years at a you know more expensive school, he decided, he looked at the numbers, he looked at everything else, and he said, well, you know, I want to start at community college. What if I don't know what I want to do? And he did. He actually took a semester off because he had started on a track, When he started taking the classes, he didn't like it. So instead of like spending more money out of the 529, he said, let's take a semester off. I'm going to meet with a career counselor, meet with an education counselor at the school. We're going to figure this out and then I'll go back. And now he's back in school on a different track. Part of what's helping him pay his tuition as well is he's on the esports team. That's a thing now. Esports is a thing now. You can Wait, wait, wait. What is that? It's 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 gaming, right? It's it's, oh, it's online game. gaming. It's <laughs> online gaming. They call it esports. My son's on the esports team. Can you get a scholarship it's, for esports? It's it's paying yes. half his tuition. Come yes, on. yes. I'm not wow. even kidding you. It's paying half his tuition. Uh and this is just at a community college in Idaho. And so there's really all sorts of things you can kind of do as you start looking through. There's sorts of all sorts of weird little scholarships. Uh Idaho has a specific scholarship that if you maintain a certain GPA. They'll pay 25% of your tuition. So really look into you know these state school programs and say, okay, what do you have? What's going on? How can we bring that cost down? And while you're at it, you make sure you fill out that free application for federal student aid, that FAFSA. Make sure you fill that out because you will not get the government grants, uh, the federal student loans, or the federal work-study programs without filling out that FAFSA. Right. And,
1: and you won't know, have access to the federal student loans either.
2: Yep.
0: So when do you fill out the FAFSA? You do that your senior year when you're in high school? Yes. Fall of your senior
1: year for your freshman year of college, you'll fill that out. And it'll be based on prior year's taxes. So that's where, you know, another hint there is college planning starts earlier than you realize because, again, you're reporting a tax year that starts your sophomore year and ends your junior year. And if you inadvertently did a Roth conversion or sold a rental property or did something in that year that artificially inflated your income, you know, that's going to, the colleges are going to see that and they may or may not hold it against you. You may be able to, you know, negotiate with them and ask them to take it off. And maybe they will, maybe they won't. But of course, the simplest solution is just don't do it so that you don't have to worry about it. But most people have no idea as they're rolling into the process how it works. So they don't know what they don't know and set themselves up for problems.
0: You know what? I just thought of something, Brad. Another story I used to do when I was a TV news reporter uh, was to look for local scholarships. Like the the local Rotary Club may have a $200 thing for an essay or something like that. Little things. Is that Does that still exist? And has that become digitized right. now? <laughs> yeah. Fact, when yeah. I was doing these stories, there was no internet. Yes, for sure. So I've got a, And
1: actually, I've got a free resource on my website called The Scholarship Guide for Busy Parents. And the whole purpose of that is it's about four videos, each of them about 10 minutes, just to give you enough knowledge about scholarships so you can decide which scholarships should I chase and how much time should we spend at it. Because scholarships can be a huge project. I had one family apply to 40 scholarships. They won seven for $39,000. Wow. But how long does it take to do 40 scholarship applications? That's a lot of work. That That's not a wow. Sunday afternoon. That's Wait, what are, what every is in Sunday these afternoon for a year.
0: What kind of stuff are you putting in these things? I mean, like how detailed are they, these applications?
1: Some of them are, and again, some of them are very basic where you just give them a name and an address. So it's kind of like a lottery, which that's probably a waste of time, by the way. A lot of them are essays or you know video contests, picture contests. Poetry contests. I mean, there's all kinds of different things. Um, science projects. Build, you know, examples like um, growing a crystal. You know, so you grow a crystal, take some pictures and really that for us. You know, some very esoteric stuff. And then stuff for, you know, cancer survivors. But then the other places you want to look, again, are a lot of local corporations will want to support the local kids at the local high school. You know, so the ice cream place across the street from the high school that makes a bazillion dollars on those kids might offer a scholarship um, every sense. year, yeah.
2: and, and, and even big, and even big companies like Walmart and Target have a set amount of money each year that you can that they can send to local kids. Right. So it it also makes sense to look at those. Uh, banks are very famous for. We're offering these sort of one to five thousand dollars scholarships. Then, like you mentioned, our Rotary Club—I'm a member of our local Rotary Club—they offer a scholarship as well. Did you
0: have your son do all that,
2: Miranda? No, <laughs> <I couldn't> convi- <laughs> no, no. I couldn't convince him to par- partially because he was like I already had the money. We had we had been saving up in the five twenty nine. Uh, his grades were mediocre. I mean, they were fine. He had a he ended up with like a. 3.5 GPA. They were fine, but it wasn't, you know, amazing. And so, just practically speaking, it was like, well, he's like, if I go to the community college, you're not going to have to spend a ton of money. The 529 will take care of it. There'll be money left over, and I can use those to pay off my student loans. Right. My okay. student loans. Oh, right. your student right. loans. Okay. My student loans. Right. You know, that reminds
0: right. me, Brad. Uh, I was going to ask you something else, too. Remember, we, we were talking earlier in the podcast about how the name of the college may not be as important as you think it is. Wh- what about grades? Uh, could, I can imagine myself saying, you know, as, as a kid graduating from high school, you know, I've only got a 3.0 or a 2.5. You know, and, and there's, no, there's no hope for me, you know, because college is so competitive. If I don't have a 4.0 average, there's no there's point in even applying. How would you respond to that? There are colleges out there for just about everybody. Mm-hmm. So with poor grades,
1: oh, here, the lights just turned off. All right, sorry. Yeah, so th- there are colleges out there for just about everybody. Um, the challenge is figuring out what, you know which ones are a good fit. Obviously, if you don't have the strong enough grades, the Harvards and Yales of the world aren't gonna aren't interested.
0: Then now yeah, you are wasting and, your time,
1: right? <laughs> And in reality, you know, they accept a small percentage of their applicants and every one of them's a rock star, so to speak. So most people aren't, that's not their path. But even mm-hmm. your local, you know, some states are more competitive than others, but your local flagship state school might be relatively competitive mm-hmm. where you've got to have, you know, top 10 or 15% of your class, whatever that means, and strong test scores, perhaps. Um, and you have to take college prep. Material, So you have to take some AP courses if they're available, not necessarily full boat of them, but some. So, again, learning about that when you've got a sophomore or junior um, so that you understand, you know, is it better to get an A in a a basic course or a B in a challenging course? Well, some colleges are going to say, neither one of those works for us. We need to get an A in the challenging course. That's the Mm -hmm. only option as far as we're concerned. Um, and if that's, you know, so for some families it's, you know, Harvard or bust for other families, it's how are we going to get to any college anywhere at a reasonable price? So those are completely different planning situations. And that's the challenge. I think is a lot of people confuse, you know, there's just a wide range of strategies. There's a wide range of things that you can do and you need to, you know, pay attention to what's relevant for you. Again, as an example, there's many families out there that are never going to get any sort of need-based aid. But they might be good candidates for merit aid. You know, take a a kid that can get into, just barely get into something like a Notre Dame or a Rice or something like that. They might be a strong candidate at a Loyola Mm -hmm. and get a $20,000 scholarship. And they might be able to get a full ride at Carroll university or university of Dubuque, or I and mean, the number of different small schools that most people have never heard of. Yeah. The Challenges. is um, both parents and students are saying, well, I want to go to that name brand school. I could just barely get into because it's got the name brand and I don't want to go where it's free just because it's free. And that's the, the challenge of, you know, what makes sense for your family. And if you can afford to pay, right, if you're going to give up the lake home, so you can pay crazy amounts for college, I think that's a reasonable decision. But if you're going to blow up your retirement to pay for college, mm. maybe you want to think twice.
0: Yeah, definitely. Right. By talking to you Brad makes me so happy. My college <laughs> days are behind me. This sounds like such a pain. <laughs> I feel sorry right. for students. I, I guess wanna, we would do this circle too when, when we were in college, but it just seems horrible. we to, to circle
3: say? back to scholarships. Um So people don't get discouraged when they're applying for scholarships Uh, on the, on the quality ones. How many of those are they handing out a year? You know, you're you're massive amounts of students applying for these things. Uh, How many of those are actually being handed out? So you can go like, well, I've been applying for this. Am I actually going to get it?
1: Right. But there's, again, it's still a small, you know, there's billions of dollars of scholarships. A lot of them are coming from the colleges themselves. So you need to understand the need-based aid and the merit aid of the colleges you're applying to, because that's a, one of the biggest sources of aid and scholarships, but outside scholarships or private scholarships, there's a lot of those as well, probably billions of dollars, but oh, yeah. it's, it's still a very small percentage of the overall cost that people, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, higher education.
3: So do you, do you, um, do you also uh, encourage fast tracking? So like say you got a you got a six-year program, but you push to try to get them to do it in five save a whole year's worth of costs.
1: Yeah, right. There's all kinds of strategies around. There's direct admit programs that will go directly to pharmacy or directly to physical therapy where you graduate with a master's or even a PhD in six or seven years. And those are appropriate for some and not others. And that's the challenge. There's lots to understand and lots of opportunity. Some of it might be right for you.
2: Yeah, and I think another thing along with that is making use of uh, concurrent enrollment programs. Uh, Many schools have these concurrent enrollment programs. High school, college. Yes, where you can do that. And my, my son actually did some of that as well. He got his, he's got a humanities credit for college because he took a concurrent enrollment Spanish course. He's also done math and English. And so you can do that. And in a state like Idaho, and you can check into your own state, in a state like Idaho, it's actually possible to graduate from high school with your associate's degree already finished. Wow! And so, right. And with these programs, depending on the state you're in and the program that you have in Idaho, for instance, uh, you can take up to a certain number of credits for free, and then you pay a nominal amount, something like 30 or $40 a credit. So you can actually do this fairly cheaply if you look ahead and say, okay, is there a concurrent enrollment program? Is there a way for me to get some of these classes done earlier? Uh, The AP route isn't as good as it used to be. I I got some of my classes from college cut off uh, because I did have an AP uh, score and was able to apply that. But this concurrent enrollment, if you can get that, that's one of the best ways to knock out, especially some of your general education credits and save some time and money in college.
1: Right. Yeah. And you know, and my son was able to get 16 or 18 credits through the AP program when, but it really depends on the college you're pursuing and the majors you're looking for and that kind of stuff. You know, again, as an example, a nursing degree, you're going to take the same courses, no matter what, it's a cohort. They take all the classes together. Everybody takes the same classes. You're not going to test out of much because you have to have all the nursing curriculum because you have to be able to pass the boards at the end. Yeah. So you can't skip stuff. But if you're in a liberal arts major, then sometimes you might get 30 credits for what you've done in high school and other and other places.
3: Um, oh, that's something I wanted to touch on. I don't know if this is still happening because it's been years since I've been in high school. But I went to uh, I went to high school in, in New York. And they had two different levels when you're in high school. They had regents and they had basic. Uh, and mm-hmm. so basically regents meant uh, it was great for if you're going to, you know, an in-state school, uh, those colleges cared about it. and But they just piled on more work. Everybody did the same work. It's just one <laughs> you did more work when you're in regents and less when you're in basic. And then so I went to go look at colleges in, in other states. Everywhere else they're like, we don't know what that is. We don't even care. You know, all they right. care was the letter grade. I mean, we could have taken basic, gotten an extra, you know, better grade and, and you know, end up with a scholarship or something, right? but is that still going on?
1: Yeah. And that's, that's the IB and the AP programs are similar to that, but they're across the country so that they're not unknown, right? That's why some of these things were created to kind of levelize things. But yeah, there's often been various tracks and, you know, just as a kind of a, Part of the problem is we've got this game around college, right of I need to get good grades, but so I'm going to take the easiest courses so I can get all A's. But well if that, that's not education, that's playing the college game. Education would be let's let's learn as much as I can in high school because high school's free. So there's these constant competing goals that people are dealing with is like, well if I take this tough math course, I'll learn more math, but I might get a B or a C and then what how does that look? And, you know, there's no easy solution for that, unfortunately. Um, And that's, again, some of the frustration around this whole thing is it's getting more and more complex and people, you know. But if you look at everything in the world has gotten more complex, if you look at what it takes to be a gymnast today and go to the Olympics compared to what it took 50 years ago, it's dramatically different. And that's just life. I
0: mean, everything's getting
1: more complex, uh, whether we like it or not.
0: That is true, and guys, I'm afraid we are out of time. Um, we one have any last thoughts? Okay, let let's those kids out there that are listening, don't do drugs, study hard. What else? <laughs> what, what any one one specific piece of advice you would leave us with, Brad, for these for these kids? Start early, right? I knew that's so what you were going to say late stage
1: <laughs> college planning. When do you visit colleges? When do you really jump into this? Sophomore year of high school. Cool. Okay, Not? end of junior year, like we used to do it.
2: Cool. If you
1: start in the sophomore year, you'll give yourself a little more time to learn the ropes. Cause I see a whole lot of people telling me, Oh my God, we got all this to do. We're way behind. Didn't realize what we were getting into. Uh, I hear that a lot. I've never ever had anyone tell me I started this too early. Not once.
0: Great. Good advice.
2: And kind of, and kind of along with that for the parents, if you have the ability start figuring out a way to Save something as early as you can.
0: Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, too. Great advice, guys. I am afraid we are out of time, folks, but we are never out of topic. Dig a little deeper. You're going to find links to lots more info in our show notes. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, well, your online home is moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquit, M A R Q U I T.com. And of course, you want to visit Brad at his website. Now, this is, now, think, write this down. TamingTheHighCostOfCollege.com. TamingTheHighCostOfCollege.com. If you didn't write it down, don't worry, it's in our show notes. Got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest, please tell us about it. Just email us. Hello at MoneyTalksNews.com. That's hello at MoneyTalksNews.com. And like I said at the break, if you like what we do, do something for us. Subscribe to our podcast. It takes you two seconds. It really helps us. I'm Stacey Johnson.
2: I'm Miranda Marquette.
0: And I'm Aaron Freeman. And Brad, thanks so much for being with us today. You were an awesome guest. We hope we'll see you again soon. Bye, everybody. We'll see you next time.